2: Welcome into the Titan-Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan-Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We have a lot to get to in this episode, because with a 15-10 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, the Tennessee Titans clinched their first playoff berth in eight Years And so in this episode, since we weren't able to get to a recap because of New Year's and the holidays and that kind of thing, we're going to briefly recap the Jaguars game, but we're going to spend a majority of this time previewing a very talented opponent that the Titans will be facing on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. It is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs who the Titans defeated last season in week 15. So let's start by talking about this Jags game. Uh, The biggest headline or takeaway from this game was the fact that Derrick Henry made his first career start in the absence of an injured DeMarco Murray, who, by the way, will not play this week either. He's already been ruled out. Henry got 28 carries and managed just 51 yards for an average of like 1.8 yards per carry. He was really bad. I think I counted when I went back and looked six or seven uh, times he was tackled for a loss in the backfield. Uh, For all of these people who've been saying that Henry's primary problem is that he doesn't get enough volume and that he needs the volume t- to get better. That argument is now debunked. Now, can he still be a good running back in the NFL? Absolutely. The jury's still out on that. He's a very talented athlete. But right now, eh, that, that was a really bad performance on a lot of ends.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and it was definitely disappointing because a lot of us uh, were waiting a while um, to be able to see him tilt the rock uh, that many times, um, it was against a tough, uh, tough defensive unit, especially a really good front seven. Uh, the O line, the Titans' offensive line, didn't play all that great, uh, but I don't know how many excuses you could really make for for twenty eight for fifty one yards. Um, the good news is that he took a sixty six yard screen pass uh, to the house to score our only offensive touchdown. Um, so I think at this point in his career. Um, he's kind of just that big play home run threat which is weird because he's so big, um, but he's so fast, um, and he really hasn't shown to be able to be so so good between the tackles. So um, it, it'll be an interesting discussion in the, in the offseason, uh, but I, th- I think he did his job this past weekend, um, and he's going to need to do it again uh, this coming uh, weekend against an opponent that he scored twice on. Uh, last season, so that'll be good. Interesting to see.
3: Yeah, today Henry called himself soft uh, in how he played the game after he watched the film. I don't, I don't disagree with that. It's hard playing in cold weather against guys that are getting free rushes at you, but at the same time, you've got to do your best to fall forward when you're six three, two 250 pounds. And he knows that, and he's played like that before. You know, the Miami game is a game of his that you, if you want to go back to. Uh, 2016 and watch, you know, the way he and Mariota worked work that read option so well when he was just willing to drop his shoulders and go. But I mean, Matias is right. He's Chris Johnson in a giant body. Like it, he's if he gets a, I mean, if he gets out in the open field, he could go for 60 yards easily. He did that in the screen on the screen for a
2: touchdown. So he's done it two other I, times during the season on run plays too.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's. He he's a, he has five rushes of 20 or more yards. I mean, he's had those two big game-enders where it's just a little, like, toss to the left or a run outside, and he just cuts it up and goes because once he's in the open field, it happens so rarely, but once he's in the open field, you know, who's going to tackle him? The 190-pound <laughs> defensive back that's, you know, running parallel with him? No. I mean, if he doesn't stiff-arm him, he's just going to run through him or run him over, so... The only time a defensive back will take Henry down is if he wants to be taken down, if he's trying to make a statement and knock that guy to the ground too. So, you know, if the Titans can figure out a way to get him on the outside, I've said they should use him on jet sweeps more. Um, But, you know, until they can figure out a way to do that consistently or if he can play tougher between the tackles, he's just not an every-down back.
2: And I think it's important to note that we're not saying that you know, his career is over or that he needs to be replaced. He started one game. (laughs) Every position, not just quarterback, has to develop. I mean, we've seen Corey Davis not be very good this season, but, I mean, I think we all still have a lot of uh, trust in him to eventually develop into a number one receiver, right?
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. And it's not even like we're we're just Henry haters. Um, We haven't been uh, DeMarco Murray supporters either. Um, We're just kind of – have played this season um and and I guess for Henry because um he's so young DeMarco kind of make age 30 uh but Derek Henry's supposed to be the guy of the future uh, I'm not saying he's bad but we just are expecting a little bit more out of him
3: yeah and going back to the whole uh I guess my overarching theme of the season that Rabisky needs to be gone you look at what McVeigh did for Gurley Like, it's not like they're the same athletic profile, Gurley and Henry, but, I mean, he completely changed the way that offense runs. He spread it out more, and there's more rushing lanes, and, you know, after that, Gurley just, you know, did what Gurley does. If you can spread out teams and really get them to play you outside in instead of inside out, you'll have a much better chance of running the ball, but Right now, if the Titans want to run the ball, they're going to put two tight ends in the game and they're going to move both wide receivers in close or they're going to put a fullback in. And all that does is make the box tighter. I mean, it lets defenses stack the box penalty free. And if you keep doing that and tipping your hand like that, unless you can hit some really big shots on play action, you're just
2: hurting yourself.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So the reason that the Titans won this game and really a reason that they've won nine games this season is the fact that their defense showed out yet again, holding Leonard Fournette to a very small total in the run game and forcing three turnovers on Blake Bortles. Uh, And it's sad that the offense hasn't, you know, they've been so bad that they haven't even been an average offense this season. And I feel like, especially as we look forward to Kansas City, if this offense can match the performance of their defense, who consistently brings pressure on quarterbacks, creates turnovers, and forces punting situations, that this could be a very scary football team for people to face. It sounds odd to say, but when you hold opponents to 3.6 yards per carry and you get into the cold winter playoffs and you're forcing teams to be one-dimensional, that's so big.
1: Yeah, and we're at least is dealing with uh, a sort of gimpy Logan Ryan um, and they lost LaShawn Sims who had been pretty much a starter for th- for the duration of the season um, and Ty Smith has been really good filling in for LaShawn Sims um, so the secondary is playing really well uh, it's been impressive to see uh, they really they really haven't gotten um, like destroyed it outside of those those two huge games by the Steelers and the Texans uh, and Rams game, um, I thought they weren't all that bad. The problem was that Bryce McCain was out there uh, for the whole game, and he's is just one of the worst cornerbacks we've ever seen. Um, but you saw what we've done to Bortles twice this season, um, and we really haven't given up all that many points uh, in a lot of games. Um, as long as they keep playing the way they have been playing, uh, and, and especially forcing teams to, to settle for field goals, um, then they'll have a chance uh, this Saturday.
3: Yeah, and you know, Alex Smith isn't Blake Bortles, but Andy Reid isn't Bill Belichick either. You know, Andy Reid's 11 and 12 in his playoff appearances, I believe, which is a losing record. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not necessarily some terrifying team to play. And if we were going to play somebody, you would like to play somebody who you can match up Kevin Byard with one of their best offensive players and stack the box against the running game and really take away a lot of their options. So if this defense plays well, the Titans should have a really good chance. And, you know, with the way Casey and Morgan are playing lately, you know, now that Morgan's Mm -hmm. back and the way with Bayard, you know, usually when he has one big game, he has another one right after it. So with the way those guys are kind of playing, I, I don't, I don't know why we should have any less confidence now than we would have four weeks ago.
2: And I and I think, you know, we always talk about how the Titans struggle to beat bad teams, but at the same time they compete against the good teams. I mean, they took the Rams to a four-quarter battle. They beat the Jaguars twice. They beat the Ravens, who a lot of people really like. They blew out the Seahawks at home. And so I think before we actually get into kind of an in-depth preview, I think it's important to say that despite how immensely talented the Chiefs are, that doesn't scare the Titans. They've been there, done that. This is a team that has competed against really good football teams. And aside from the Houston Texans game where, where they got blown out by Deshaun Watson and kind of caught him at the wrong time, they've been in every single game this season. And to say that they have no chance against a heavily favored Chiefs team, if you're saying that, you haven't watched the Titans this year because they come out ready to play every single week.
3: Yeah, uh, one yeah. quick before we uh, switch is pro football focus or pro uh, football reference has a way to filter that. And the Titans have the third best winning percentage against uh, winning teams this year. They have a 66% uh, win percentage. So, you know, the only teams ahead of them are the Steelers and the Patriots. So yeah, I mean, they, they shouldn't be any more nervous than any other team going into the playoffs.
1: No. And I, I bet it was just as, as similar, uh, uh, last season, because they beat uh, almost all the playoff teams from the AFC, I, I believe, or something along those lines. They beat a bunch of playoff teams, and mm-hmm. it, it, it was sad that they couldn't make it. But this is not a team that, that just gets blown out. That That's not, ever since Mike Malarkey's been here, uh, it really hasn't happened often.
2: Yeah, and I think another thing, you know, you can hate Mike Malarkey all you want to. I don't. But uh, one thing you can't deny, even if you despise his offense, is that he has changed the culture of this team. Because with Ken Wisenhut, every game was 45 to nothing, and then the reporters would go in the locker room and you'd hear the same cliches of, well, you know, we just didn't go out there and execute and get it. You know, th- that's so far gone with Mike Malarkey. When this team loses, they're angry. They They want revenge. They're in the locker room pouting because they're so mad that they just got outmanned by another football team like if nothing else that's something that Mike Malarkey has done it's that they don't get blown out anymore they're in every game and they play a 60 minute game and you're gonna get this tough hard-nosed football team for 60 minutes win or lose
1: yeah I mean look no further uh than the Packers game last season where where we killed them by 22 points uh in just a few years as our head coach. I think it was Wiz and Hunt. Was uh, the Munchak. Packers killed us. Oh, it was Munchak. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. The same thing. What's the difference? <laughs> anyway, but <laughs> we, lo- we lost like, what was it? 55 to 7 or something oh, like that? Oh, it was, f- that was one of the most embarrassing. I think it was a shutout, wasn't it? It was it? rough. Regardless, that was one of the worst games I've asked to be a Titans fan. But I'm not anymore, even though maybe we're not all that good. Uh, it doesn't really matter. The fact that we're not uh and we're actually finishing seasons with winning records i'll take that i'll take that any day of the week to be honest
2: so let's start previewing the chiefs because you know they're a very talented team and i have kind of five what i've pinned is their really best players that i want to kind of hit on and we'll start with wide receiver tyreek hill and this is a guy that you know they have kareem hunt and travis kelsey who we'll talk about in a minute but the speed of Tyreek Hill forces, defense, forces defenses to play their secondary so far back that it really creates the space for Kelsey and Hill. So really for the Chiefs offense, if they're not using Hill effectively, anything else they want to do kind of goes in the toilet. And Hill has also been really impressive this season. In that as a rookie, he was mostly, you know, we saw him on the kickoff returns, we saw him on the punt returns, and he would get the handoffs and go really far, and he'd run vertical routes and go really far. But he seems to have developed from just a, a pure speed player to kind of he's starting to learn the nuances of the receiver position and is no longer just a gadget guy, but actually a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I think his development has been has been really intriguing. Uh, because last year, like you said, he was kind of a gadget guy. Uh, and this year, I, I, I believe they took him off kick returns uh, just so he could focus mainly on on working on his craft as a receiver. Uh, and it's really paid off. I mean, he's the seventh best uh, receiver in terms of this season, uh, and he did it uh, on only 75 catches. Uh, we all know about his speed, but it, it, he really worked on, on, it, on his re- Route tree and, and he's really worked on bettering those short routes um, that doesn't come as easy to uh, to players of his type um, and, and he's just a really tough cover right now uh, not only deep but also in the short and intermediate range so and, and he's kind of kind of the thing that makes their offense tick uh, the player that makes their offense tick at least because if you have to respect his speed downfield uh, and if he he's converting first downs uh on regular base their running game and their other receivers all the more all the more danger
3: yeah i mean in the year he went from ted ginn to deshaun jackson which is Mm -hmm. really a testament to the wide receiver coach and that whole offensive staff i mean they've done a great job with him i mean last year we saw him as a running back some and that's how he scored but uh, you know what he does that you know really scares you is taking the top off the defense And I would love to think that the Titans who play against Will Fuller would have a better idea of how to stop that after they got killed by that uh, when they played the Mm -hmm. Texans the first time. But, I mean, it's honestly hard to do. Unless you commit extra bodies to the position, you're really just, you know, in trouble because how are you expecting a guy – when your corner lines up, he's essentially facing the wrong way and has to cover one of the fastest players in football who gets to run straight as fast as he can. And I want you to,
2: as you're kind of talking about this, hit on Will, uh, you know, how you think the Titans are gonna defend against Tyreek Hill, because they have a Dory Jackson who's a very fast cornerback, but I mean, as blazing fast as a Dory Jackson is, Matias, you said this the other day, he could still get absolutely torched by Tyreek Hill. He's just that fast. I mean, this is a guy who would have competed with Usain Bolt in the Olympics had he been in it a couple years ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's tough to kind of explain a good way to cover somebody like that, you know. But I've been a big proponent of this week, especially uh, having Cyprian either play in the box and move out Avery Williamson completely, or to have uh, Denora Cersei come in and have an extra kind of free safety type body. Which, I, I mean. Cersei's kind of played, you know, a mix of both safeties before, but he's done well complimenting Bayard and he's not a complete liability in coverage. So what you could do, um, like we talked about earlier, we'll get to some other guys later, but an an ideal kind of situation to where you're not giving up too much is instead of putting Bayard behind a Dory Jackson, unless it's third and 14. But uh, other than that, you know, you could put a Dory on him and put the Cersei back there. And if you see past, well, you know, if he's gone seven yards and he hasn't broken yet to go ahead and slide over and just commit to that deep half of the field and just have that be one of your rules this week. And that's a good way to prevent that deep pass. And then if he beats you on, you know, a 12 yard out or a 12 yard, you know, post or whatever, that's, That sucks, but it's okay. What'll kill you is if you try to take those little things away and you let him get the fifty-yard, you know, deep bomb over your head, and now all momentum's gone and they've got everything on their side at home. So uh, I'm a big proponent of playing a different safety other than Cyprian. Kalen Reed would also be a a decent thing now that he's uh, cleared concussion protocol. If you want to put him in as an extra safety, so. Uh, you know, something like that where you don't have to commit Byard to playing kind of babysitter with a Dory. And I don't mean that in a bad way for a Dory. I just mean you need a babysitter back there because everybody's going to
2: get beat. And to your point, Will, about Kevin yep. Byard having to potentially play babysitter to a Dory Jackson, you know, you would love for that to be a possibility. But at the same time, you also have pro Bowl tight end Travis Kelsey to deal with in the intermediate, who. You know He's different than Rob Gronkowski in that he's not just this big guy running down the field that's always open no matter if he's covered. He's more of a finesse tight end. I would think he's more similar to Delaney Walker than he is to Rob Gronkowski in terms of these elite tight ends. But he's a guy similar to Delaney Walker that the Titans defense is also going to have to account for, because if they're way too focused on Tyreek Hill down the field, Travis Kelsey is going to catch 13 passes for 150 yards.
1: Yeah. And we've seen the Titans get get destroyed by tight ends in the past, and they're probably going up against uh, either the best one or the second best one in the league uh, on Saturday. Uh, The thing about Kelsey uh, it at least in, in my opinion, the way that he's different than Gronk. Uh, Gronk is uncoverable because he's just so big, uh, and he just out-muscles you. Kelsey is what a lot of people call an, an inaccuracy eraser um, because Alex Smith is not the the most accurate quarterback. Uh, he, he tends to throw high at times, but it literally does not matter for Travis Kelsey. He can go up there, uh, and he's already 6'5", and he jumps so high. Uh, and he catches these passes that literally no one except him can get to. So it's hard to cover. Uh, and it's going to be really hard for pretty much anyone on the Titans defense because we don't really have all that much height. Kevin Byard's 5'11", Brown, who's probably going to get a lot of snaps on Kelsey um, on Saturday. He, he's only six feet tall, so uh, it, it's tough. It, you really have to pick your battles and and pick who you'd rather... Ah, uh, give space to, you and because um, they they have three three guys we haven't even talk, talked about Kareem Hunt yet, who can really really do damage against the defense. Before you
2: start to talk, Will, I want to ask your opinion. I just kind of thought of this, Matias, as you were mentioning size of all the Titans linebackers. the The biggest is probably Wesley Woodyard, maybe even you know one of the biggest players on their defense. Uh, at least I don't really consider Brian Arakpo a linebacker. He's more of a pass rusher. But with Wesley Woodyard's size, do you think he might be a more favorable matchup on Travis Kelsey? Because though Woodyard is 31, he's had a, a Pro Bowl caliber season this year, and throughout his career, that's kind of the role, especially when he was with Denver, that he was used for that sort of coverage linebacker.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't because... You know, Kelsey's kind of that unicorn player. It's just so weird. Um, and that that's – the whole Chiefs offense is based on these unique, weird players that are hard to defend. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think it was Matias's idea, I think we talked about this some yesterday, is uh, to put uh, Logan Ryan in there and mm-hmm. to put him, you know, in situations where you expect, you know, third and 12, if he's lined up in line, don't have Logan Ryan playing on – uh, whoever their other wide receiver is, you know, have him play inside on Kelsey, which I, I mean, I think that's a great idea. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, now I, I said all that. I don't mind uh, would you're contributing and helping cover him on in second and 12 and those kind of situations. I, but it, in second and eight, I need my best run player to be watching Kareem hunt. Cause the one thing you've got to do is, is you've got to make sure Kareem Hunt can't get going. And we'll we'll talk more about that in a second. But I need him elsewhere. Just like I can't use Bayard to play babysitter, I can't have one of my best players in terms of tackle for loss playing coverage against Kelsey. And then, you know, all of a sudden Travis Kelsey's on him and engulfing and blocking him. And now you've got Avery Williamson trying to make a tackle for loss against Kareem Hunt.
2: And another thing is, you know, you hear – especially if you're listening to Jeff Schwartz analyzing Jack Conklin, you hear about (laughs) tight ends being used in pass protection, not just to straight up pass block, but to chip before they go out and run their route. I think this might be a day where on third down, I mean, they love using Brian Arakpo in coverage, but I mean, Brian Arakpo is just such a physical freak. What if you kind of take the offensive on that and you chip Travis Kelsey before he goes out to run his route? Okay,
3: if I'm like, if I'm feeling real confident, in my defense, and I say I'm okay, I you know, screw this team. I'm going to play the way I want to play. What I do in that situation is I put uh, Brian Arakpo and now, now remember the Titans never switch sides. So sometimes it'll be Derek Morgan, sometimes it'll be Brian Arakpo, but the defensive ends on the tight or the outside linebackers, the edge players, never switch sides for the Titans. So what I would do is I would have Cyprian line up on whatever side. If I had him in the game, I'd have him line up on whatever, or Williamson if it's not him, um, line up on whatever side that Kelsey's on, and I would just have an automatic blitz call. And if they don't leave him in to help Chip, I should have a guy free off the edge. And, I, you know, if the running back's that side too, then I know that, you know, expect that quick uh, wheel or flat or whatever from Kareem Hunt. But if I'm – if i'm the safety i'm going 100% and i'm trying to knock his teeth out and that way you force kelsey to stay in a second and chip you or whatever you know in that way you don't have to stop your pass rush to help the, or to help your coverage your coverage can help you by forcing
2: the offense to chip and one thing about mike Malarkey is that as the Titans head coach, he's consistently made it a priority to stop players that he calls game wreckers. He He's said multiple times that one of the first things they do when going into a matchup is they identify the players that, all right, if we don't sp- sp- make an effort to account for this guy, he will wreck the game. Guys like Khalil Mack, Vaughn Miller, Adrian Peterson, guys like that. And when the Titans lose, it's never that, oh, DeAndre Hopkins caught 15 passes for 200 yards because they didn't cover one of the NFL's best receivers. It's always like Jack Doyle over the middle because they were too focused on T.Y. Hilton. (laughs) I mean, and we've seen it this year. Hilton wasn't very good against the Titans. DeAndre Hopkins was mildly okay in their second game. Um, Khalil Mack and Vaughn Miller were both shut out last season when these two teams played. Mack didn't do anything in week one. I mean... This is a game where the Chiefs have two game records on offense, Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. And as good as the Titans run defense is, I have no doubts that they're going to be able to stop Kareem Hunt, and we'll talk about him in a little bit in a second. But you have to just you can't just say, All right, we're gonna play man coverage and man uphill and 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 Kelsey. You just can't do that this week.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the the Bill Belichick school of thought to eliminate a team's best player either on offense or defense uh, neutralize him and then either let other, let other, uh, other players, lesser players, at least um, unities uh, that the others would, that the better players would. So it will be interesting to see last year. It was actually Jeremy Macklin that had a pretty big game um, for the, for the chiefs receiving core. Uh, but that was kind of before Tyree kill uh, took the reins as their, as their leading receiver, Travis Kelsey really, really didn't do. um, And Spencer Ware, who's their starting running back, didn't do much either. Uh, But because the Titans have have played great run defense for the past two years, really. Um, So I, I still, I think Kareem Hunt's going to have a good game, Um, but I, I do. The Titans will focus on, on Kelsey or Hill, one or the other. I'm not sure they can, they can really neutralize both. Um, so I'd look for for lesser guys, someone like Albert Wilson, maybe, um, to to have a sort of big game uh, against the Titans. Not not a huge game, but but they could last month.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, we you know going back to the. the you know Bill Belichick school thought. You know Hilton is the guy that I was going to point to. It, I mean that's the perfect idea of you know a team taking away the the best player. In the you know he had 34 yards against us in two games combined, and he ended up the season with 966 yards. So it, they've done it against teams that other people haven't been able to do it with. It the the problem with all this, and we're going to talk about it more in a second, is how do you prioritize who to stop? and we'll find out a lot about the Titans and what they want to do this Sunday or Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's hard to figure out.
2: Uh, we kind of hit on Kareem Hunt. I don't know that there's very much to talk about there. He led the league in rushing. I mean, he's clearly a very talented running back, very multifaceted player, a, a true three down running back, which is so odd because but honestly, before my first fantasy football draft, I had never heard of him as much, as, as much preparation as the three of us do for the draft. I had never heard of him. Um, mm-hmm. So let's move on for a second to the, to the Chiefs' defense because there's really two more game-wreckers on that side, starting with uh, pass rusher Justin Houston, who though his numbers have not really been that great ever since his remarkable 20-sack season a couple of years ago, he's still a guy that you have to account for, and he still has the talent that he had back then despite the fact that he has suffered some injuries. However, unlike all of these other guys, Justin Houston, I'm going to go ahead and say he's not going to have a single sack. If anybody's going to have a sack, it's going to be like D Ford or or maybe Tom Bahali. But uh, they're going to chip Houston all day long, and Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin are going to take care of him.
1: Yeah, D Ford and Tom Bahali actually have, haven't played. Uh, I believe D Ford is on IR, and Tom Bahali has oh. been injured. So this is kind of, yeah, he won. <laughs> want to you want to redo no, that
2: one no I'm, i i don't delete tweets We're, we'll keep going
1: That's right <laughs> okay all right <laughs> just making sure but uh, they they have a lot of injuries uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball um, um and it's kind of like a mishmash uh, uh, on the defensive side of the ball which is which is which makes it interesting that they've been so good over the past month and they've really kind of figured it out um they're, they're still kind of getting gashed through the air uh because they lost Eric Berry, which was a huge loss. Um and a lot of their cornerbacks that they've been trotting out there haven't really been doing much. Um they finally I think Philip Gaines is injured. Uh Chiefs fans hate him because he's terrible. He's pretty much their their Bryce McCain and he kept getting trotted out there and kept kept getting wrecked. Mm. Um so he's gone. I mean they're putting Darrell Revis out there, who's like forty years old. It's really it's it's weird to see but they have a really good defensive core And it, it, it's a testament to him that they've been able to play really well uh, Lately, um, I agree Justin Houston's obviously the guy you have to look out for Derek Johnson's still a really good inside linebacker um, And they got Reggie Ragland in a trade earlier in the offseason and he's become a really really big part of their of, of their defense so I mean, I guess the guy you have to avoid is, is, is Marcus Peters and and Justin Houston, of course. Um, but I really just wouldn't even tell through to his side of the field. Uh, attack the other players uh, that are attackable uh, and don't lend yourself um, to the possibility uh, of throwing an interception Marcus Peters' way. All right, real, real quick, I have a Chiefs injury
2: report since I was kind of clueless before that last topic. Um <laughs> Tom Bahali will play, Andy Reid said. Uh, receiver Albert Wilson is on track to play. You were right about D Ford. He is on injured reserve. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's that's all that I found in terms of their injuries. I think there was maybe one or two other uh, insignificant players. Joaquin Nunez-Rochis is out. I have no idea who that is. He's one of their starting defensive linemen. It's a,
1: okay. It's a made-up Madden guy. Yeah. <laughs> It's somebody uh, drafting the fifth of- And you yeah. kind of hit
2: on this, Matthias, uh, Marcus Peters, you know, I don't know that he is as valuable to a team as someone like a, a Patrick Peterson that can travel with a receiver. But at the same time, he's so good and he plays that Richard Sherman type of role where he's going to play on one side and he's going to take away anything you throw at him. And you're being very brave if you throw at him. And considering the fact that the Titans don't really have a number one receiver like a uh, AJ Green, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, I think this is a game, like you said, Matias, where they just say, you know what, before the snap, Marcus, you find number twenty-two, and you're gonna eliminate that read.
1: Yeah, there's there's no need. There's really <laughs> no need to even to even test those waters. I I mean Peters is a guy. Over his, his first three seasons, he's intercepted eight, six, and five passes. Um, that is really hard to do in in the NFL. Um, and really not a lot of cornerbacks uh are exist of his caliber right now, uh, except for maybe Darius Slay and um and Pat. Um, so he's definitely a guy you want to avoid. And and like I said before, the, their other cornerbacks are definitely attackable. Uh, and even their safeties uh with Eric Barry out, so. Um, this this should be a good game for uh, for the Titans slot receivers and, and of course, as always, for, for Delaney Walker.
3: Now, having said all that, last year Marcus did throw a 50-yard bomb. Rashard Matthews. Are you talking about the flea flicker? Hey, it was the password squeezed in between Barry and Marcus Peters. Yeah, that was so, a flea flicker. Yeah, so, I mean... What, whatever you got to do, I guess. But I, know, I I, I wouldn't Rashard recommend
2: Matthews- throwing another jump ball to Richard Matthews going up against Marcus Peters.
3: Uh, I'm just gonna say uh, we we are uh, kind of uh, in a weird place with Richard Matthews, where he's been the Titans' leading actual receiver for the last two years, and he's pretty sneaky good. So, like this may be one of those times where he has a really big game, and we kind of laugh about it before, but. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, the plan is stay away from Marcus Peters in general, especially if you got somebody like Eric Decker over there. Um, but one thing you can do for that is run it at him. I mean, run what mm-hmm. looks like a quick slant from your wide receiver. That's really a crack block and then have somebody go out and kick him or run Derrick Henry right at him and make him tackle somebody over and over and over and then throw that quick slant or throw a, you know, a slant and go something like that. You know, Make it hard on him. Don't just keep running the same crap over and over and over. And um, before we go to the next topic, one guy that we didn't talk about that we need to is Chris Jones, who's – one of the best uh, three, four defensive linemen in football. He's, re- you know, whenever he feels like playing, he's really good. So, you know, watch out for him. He plays a defensive end for them.
2: To that point, I would mm-hmm. almost be more scared just because of how good the Titans' offensive tackles are. I would be more scared of a guy like that doing damage than someone like Justin Houston.
3: Especially if Quentin Spain misses the game, which he he did have a back injury, low back injury today, and didn't practice. Are, are uh, we so
2: sure that Brian Schwenke, instead of Quentin Spain, is that much of a downgrade? No, we are not. But I will say no,
3: communication is the one thing I'm worried about.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially at our Arrowhead, at the yeah. yeah. Although there I guess
3: we don't really have communication anyway. So,
1: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Good point.
2: <laughs> so, so uh, as we've said, the Titans certainly have a, a good chance to win this game, but they're not going to do it playing really the way that they've played the last couple of weeks. However, they don't necessarily need a freakish game from their offense. They, we don't. They don't. They don't necessarily need you know mid 2016 Marcus Mariota. And so I've kind of pinned out three keys for the game that I'll have us talk about. So the first key I wrote down is for the offense and that's no turnovers and four yards a carry running the football. They don't need Derrick Henry to go 30 for 200, but they need him to at least get four yards per carry so that they can be in third and manageable instead of third and 20 because Henry decided to run backwards. And against a team like the Chiefs with an explosive offense, possessions are crucial, and you cannot give them up, Marcus, by throwing off your back foot and throwing ducks into double coverage.
1: Yeah, uh, Henry was a big reason that the Titans won it, in Kansas City last year. Um, but he only got nine carries in that game. Uh, He's but getting DeMarco's a lot more than that this really week. That game. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, what What he and DeMarco got in that game, which was, was about 27 carries, game script permitting, of course. Uh, but the Titans ran for over, over five yards uh, in that game, which was really good. Um, and But i mean they're definitely gonna have to be able to run the ball and i think they will be the chiefs aren't aren't as good uh defensively uh, especially in run defense as they used to be um but i mean not if not if the running game performs like last week of course uh the, the blocking has to be better and derrick henry has to be better um but i totally totally agree about the turnover free uh key to the game uh Kansas City Chiefs are second in the league in terms of um, give take, uh, which is pretty much just turnover differential. Uh, they are plus fifteen. You cannot give this team extra possessions and take away possessions of yourself. Uh, you are not going to win. It's impossible to win if you give them, give them an athlete, uh on their home turf.
3: Yeah, you know, I was I, that was one thing I was going to change is maybe instead of uh, no turnovers, is just keep the turnover differential equal. You know, Mm -hmm. give one away. I know it's hard, but you've got to have somebody have that kind of LaShawn Sims moment from last year where they step up in a big way and, you know, take away a game-winning touchdown or Kevin Byard. You know, you've got a bunch of players at this point who could get turnovers. You've got Adore Jackson, Logan Ryan, Kevin Byard. You know, guys like that who are either close to making interceptions or – are the league's leader in interceptions. So, you know, if you give one up, the defense, you know, as unfair as it is, has to step up and take one away at some point.
2: And on that point, Will, the key I wrote down for the Titans defense, this is our second of three keys to the game, is create turnovers with pressure. You did it to the Jaguars twice this year. Mm -hmm. You did it to the Cleveland Browns. You did it to the Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco. This is a Kansas City Chiefs team assuming that the run defense does what it has all season and you're able to kind of make them one-dimensional, and we've talked about the fact that the Titans' pass defense doesn't look good stat-wise, and it's because teams have to throw against them so much because their run defense is so good. If you can get the Chiefs in that position, you have to to hone in on Alex Smith, make him feel uncomfortable. You can't let him run around back there forever and find an open guy, because he will. You have to, if you don't sack him, you have to hit him hard and get there quick enough where he's having to deliver the ball quickly, and you have to force turnovers. You know, we, we talk about, well, Kevin Byard, it, it was just a Hail Mary, and he just had these easy... If that's the way you're going to turn over the football, I'm fine with that, but you have to force those situations if you're the Titans' defense.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it's easier said than done. Quarterback like Alex Smith, who who is pretty careful with the ball. Um, he only has five interceptions on the air. I'm not sure how many fumbles. I, I, think I. Um, but I do think pressure is supremely important, especially this. Um, and the Titans have been getting a lot of a lot of pressure over the over the season. Um, for uh, for the first first, like, five weeks, all we were doing was complaining about their sack numbers and that they couldn't get to the quarterback. And then they got uh, 20 in a three-game at span. The end of this, yeah, exactly. And now they're fifth in the league uh, in sacks, which is just insane to me. Um, but they definitely need to do that against Alex Smith. And even if they don't get the turnovers, um, just getting pressure on him and forcing him uh, bad passes, which he's he's prone to do, um, and just incomplete. Um, I think gives the Titans a really good chance to to pull off an upset.
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing that goes in the Titans' favor in this is that the Chiefs don't have a great offensive line or really a scheme to protect Alex Smith because they trust his athleticism so much. Um, Mm -hmm. He's been sacked 35 times and he didn't even play last week. So... I mean, there's only eight more, eight quarterbacks – no, sorry, there are only uh, six more quarterbacks uh, who've been sacked more than 10, and only two of them made the playoffs, I believe. Uh, so, you know – it, when, when you have that kind of disadvantage in terms of sacks allowed versus a team in the sacks they average, if you can get a team who, like we said earlier, Casey and Morgan are coming on, Arakpo's been kind of a constant force and he's kind of getting back in rhythm when he, when he rushes. You know, you blitz Cyprian some. You get a little bit from your linebacker or something like that. If you can make this a day where Alex Smith really can't get comfortable, then nothing else really matters. I mean, you don't really have to cover Tyreek Hill that well because he won't have enough time to pass the ball. You know, if you get to a quarterback, it doesn't matter if you've got four-year-olds playing corner. If you get to the quarterback and sack him, it's a sack. So you don't always have to be in great position everywhere. You've just got to have a couple of guys make plays. And if this is a game where – Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo decide they really want to turn it on and be last year's Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo. I mean that you know, it, it, the rest of these points could all be moot.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note too about uh, uh, Morgan and Arakpo, Arakpo especially. You know, we this defense really came on as you mentioned, Matias, because at the beginning of the year we talked about the pressure problem. When they started getting pressures. It wasn't because they all of a sudden started playing really bad offensive lines. It was because, for whatever reason, individuals started playing up to their potential. Brian Arakpo started playing at the level we knew he could. Jerrell Casey made the Pro Bowl again after we thought he might be done. Uh, Derek Morgan, though he's mm-hmm. been injured, has had maybe the best season of his career from a film standpoint. So, I mean, this is a Titans defensive front that has the personnel to get pressure and, And in a game like this, and it's not like the Chiefs have a great offensive line. I guess Mitchell Schwartz is okay. I mean, his brother is always up his butt. But, I mean, other than Mitchell Schwartz, this is not that good an offensive line. I mean, it's a decent one. But, I mean, this isn't the Dallas Cowboys with Tyron Smith and Zach Martin.
1: Yeah. And helping some of those uh, big-name pass rushers uh, that – we have all those sacks. Uh, we're, we're kind of lesser players that um, uh, that stepped up. Eric Walden has been a really good third pass rusher, in my yep. opinion. Uh, and da- Daquan Jones, before he got injured, had like three sacks over the course of two. Uh, and even Kevin Dodd is getting in there and making some plays. It never thought I would. I would ever see. Um, so these a lot of um, adequate players are kind of playing above of their potential or at least above their previous uh production or uh and it's been really good to see and i think i think that's kind of a testament to, to dick lebeau for kind of getting getting everyone into shape and getting everyone um uh ironed out
3: yeah every week we compliment or every time we compliment dick lebeau it ends up I'm coming back to bite us on next week's podcast. (laughs) I'm going to say, quit rushing three and quit dropping Brian Arakpo." And if you've got to cover somebody, take Avery Williamson off the field and adjust. But other than that, I think you've been doing an okay job.
2: Final key for this game of the three that I've kind of decided on is you have to play not adequate, not good. You have to play supreme special teams. Your Pro Bowl punter, Brett Kern, has to win the field position battle your coverage units cannot let Tyreek Hill do anything you know the regular season is over it's playoff time I fully expect Tyreek Hill to be back for every kickoff and every punt wouldn't you guys agree with that
1: yeah Yeah, probably.
2: You cannot let him do anything. And they've been really good this season. Brendan Trawick is always flying down the field doing really well on coverage. But, I mean, this week especially, you cannot let Tyreek Hill do anything. Ryan Suckup cannot whiff at all. He's done it some lately, but this is a game where he has to make every attempt. If the offense stalls out, you have to get the three points. It's better than zero. And uh, you on the return end, uh, Dory Jackson... Has to win the field
1: position battle for the Titans. Mm-hmm. I agree, um, and there there has to be better blocking. I, I think the the blocking on returns has been better uh, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and I think the special team's coverage um, on defense uh, has been a lot better as the season has gone on uh, which has been good to see because um we we poured a lot of resources into it see guys like Darren Bates and Eric weems um, really uh really live up to their contracts uh has been good also Trawick, like you said um it, it it is huge it is a key um the Kansas City does have really good special teams also. Um, so it'll be an interesting battle to see, and I, I mean, I don't want him back. Obviously, it'd be awesome, um, but he's had a lot, a lot of big returns, uh, especially on kickoff returns, uh, and he's had some good punt returns, uh, about 10 yards, which which doesn't seem like a lot, but, but it ends up being uh, like field position battle. Um, I think if the special teams plays like they did against the Rams, uh, where they kind of held Farrell Cooper uh, in check, who's a really good, and then Adori had that 50-plus-yard kickoff return. If they play like that, uh, then they'll set themselves up really nicely in this game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big proponent of kicking and covering. If you're playing against somebody like Tyreek Hill, who you know is the best athlete on the field whenever you kick off, don't kick it to him.
2: Kick 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 off, I understand if you're playing against like Farrow Cooper, who was – Oh, he was terrible when he played the Titans. If you're playing as someone against that, kick it to the one and let him bring it out. But when you're playing Cordero Patterson or Tyreek Hill, every kickoff needs to go out the back of the end zone. And if you can on punt, you can't always. It depends on where you are in the field. Punts really should be going out of bounds.
3: I mean, I would sacrifice five yards on a punt to make sure it went out of bounds instead of giving it to Hill because, I mean, what are the chances that you stop Tyreek Hill before he gets five yards? Is it worth the risk? Yeah. I mean, even if you do it 10 times and you stop him on nine of those times, the time you don't stop him within five, he's going to gash one. I mean, it may not be a touchdown, but it may be a 30-yard gain, a 20-yard gain. And once you do that, you're essentially giving the other team points. So just whatever you do, don't let another team beat you because you're too prideful or foolish to do something like kick it out of bounds.
2: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So uh, we've really hit on everything. We, we've covered the Chiefs' best players. We've hit the keys to the game. Uh, but before we get out of here, let's pick uh, the wild card games this weekend. This is really the first time in a while that I've actually been pretty excited to watch the playoff games, mainly because there's some new teams in it that we haven't gotten to watch in a while. I like to watch the Saints a lot. I'm a big Drew Brees fan. So let's start with that game, New Orleans, Carolina. I'm going to take New Orleans simply because I think Drew Brees is going to be able to outduel Cam Newton at the Superdome and run the football with Ingram and Kamara.
1: Yeah, I think being at home is is, is a big aspect of it. Um, Drew Brees probably has taken. I'm not going to say he's taking a step back, taking a step back in terms of of letting the running game, um, um, Dick games. Uh, and it's a big reason why they've had such a good season. Uh, and I think Kamara and Ingram are just going to control the game, and, and their defense has been good this season, so I think they win.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the best players on the field are all for the Saints. Lattimore, Drew Brees, Kamara and Ingram, you know, even the offensive line. You know, I don't know – how you write up a script where the Panthers win other than saying, like, you know, everybody's got to play above their
2: head. So, yeah, go ahead and give me the Saints. Los Angeles-Atlanta is the other NFC game, and I'm going to take the away team in this one. I'm taking the Falcons because I believe in Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman, and Julio Jones more than I believe in Todd Gurley and, and Jared Goff and Sammy Watkins. I, I think this is going to be an offensive battle, and I think the Falcons are going to have the upper hand.
1: It it feels weird to take Jared Goff over Matt Ryan in a playoff game, um, um, but I'm gonna do it anyway because the Rams have been clicking all season on offense. Champions to me have been kind of underwhelming for 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 much of the season. uh their defense, but but that offense still scares me. I know Devontae Freeman, uh has been good, of course, and they do have Julio Jones, but Matt Ryan just hasn't hasn't done it for me. Them going with the Rams.
3: Yeah. Give me uh, Wade Phillips and Sean McVay over mm-hmm. uh, pretty much any coaching staff really, but I guess over the Atlanta coaching staff this week. I mean, it's my favorite defensive coordinator of the last 10 years, other than Schwartz when he was with Tennessee, like he's my favorite defensive coordinator wherever he's been. And Sean McVay just makes everything look easy. I mean, I expect, I mean, I expect them to be completely out coached. Now, I will say this, if Julio Jones has one of those games where he just goes off and has 200 yards, then the Falcons are going to win. I mean, they're yeah. just going <laughs> to obliterate him and they're going to lose all confidence because they'll realize they can't stop him. Moving but on- unless that happens, then give me the Rams.
2: Moving on to the AFC, uh, Jacksonville-Buffalo. We talked a little bit about this one before we recorded. I love Jacksonville's defense. I think they're super talented, but I do not trust Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette to win a playoff game as much as I trust LaShawn McCoy and Tyron Taylor.
1: The only hang-up I have uh, is that McCoy kind of injured his ankle, uh, but he's going to play. Uh, he might not be full, full good. I don't think it matters. Uh, I think the Bills are winning this game, mainly because I hate that because Blake Bortles has been terrible over the last three. I would love to watch him implode.
3: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't care if, you know, it was the primetime Colts playing against Buffalo. I would pick Buffalo just because I'm never going to pick another team, <laughs> my division, especially when we sweep them. So, yeah. first off, understand I'm going to say the Bills. Having said that, I don't understand why you would pick the Jaguars. Like, LaShawn <laughs> uh, Sims, uh, uh, LaShawn McCoy LeSean. has. Uh, this uh, NFL uh, network or whatever put out a stat today when a player's on an injury list and uh, has had an injury and is a doubtful for the game or some, some weird thing like that this season nobody has done better than uh, LaShawn McCoy uh, who has hmm. like 101 yards uh, from scrimmage after those kinds of games. So really weird stat but <laughs> apparently the kind of thinking is, is if he gets injured in a game, even if he doesn't practice, it doesn't affect him. So if you give me – plus, it's snowing in in Florida. Like, I mean, that's God telling Jacksonville it's time to hang it up. So the, the Jaguars have to go from playing in the coldest game in Tennessee history to playing in what might end up being the coldest game in Jacksonville history. And they've got to play against a Bills team who has a better offensive line than them, has a better running back than them has a better group of receivers than them, has a, better group, has a better quarterback than them. The only place they have an advantage is defensive backs, and the Bills aren't slashed as a defensive back. I mean, Trey White's somebody we've, we've all said we like before. I mean, <laughs> it just it doesn't make any sense. Like, give me the Bills by, like, 10.
2: Oh. Last game, and it's I the think. one that the three of us are covering, Tennessee, Kansas City. As much as I think the Titans are going to compete in this game – I just don't think it's realistic from a pick perspective to pick them. I'm going to prove that I'm not a homer, and and I'm going to pick the Chiefs because I just think that they're going to win, though the Titans are going to put up a heck of a fight.
1: Uh, Titans are winning this game, uh, fueled by by the doubters and the haters. Uh, I have not seen one person pick the Titans to win this game, uh, so that pretty much just means that we're going to win the game. And yeah. uh, the way we're going to do it is Alex Smith is going to become Alex Smith. He'll he'll be scared. He'll fall into his little cocoon and throw five on third and eight. Uh, and Marcus Mariota is going to uh, going to have a huge day on the ground, as will Derrick Henry. And we're going to control the game.
3: Yeah, I mean. That nailed it. It's it's going to be the Titans. <laughs> Suckup's going to hit another last-minute field goal, this time yes. from a much reasonable range. It'll be like a 42-yard field goal, and he'll nail it, and they'll get all excited again. Guys like Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan and Jarrell Casey and even Carl Klug. Um, is Carl Klug still healthy? Is He's not on Yeah, yeah um, he's healthy. Like, like Guys like that who've been with the Titans or who've never been to the playoffs are going to play – you know, they're absolute hard out. They're not worried about next week. They've never had a week seven. You know, they've never had a week 18. They've never had a 17th game. You know, they're playing to show that they deserve to be there. And young guys like Dory Jackson Kevin Byard who are eager to prove that this new generation of Titans isn't like the old generation of Titans. They step up. And Marcus has some bumps and bruises because they're going to send a whole bunch of guys at him and that – but he's going to play his backyard organ style, and he's going to get about 60 yards on the ground rushing. And he's not going to light it up in the air. He'll have 220 yards, 230 yards, and everybody will think it's a lot more because of how productive the offense is. But they'll end up winning on a, after a uh, a drive where they have a minute and 30 seconds left and two timeouts. Mario to takes them all the way to a 42-yard field goal, and Suckup kicks it. Easy.
2: I hope they prove me wrong. Saturday, <laughs> 4.30 Eastern ESPN titans chiefs in the wild card round of the nfl playoffs for the afc we will be back next week to either recap a playoff win for the titans and look ahead to the divisional round or to recap the season and talk about what it means for the titans future hopefully we will be doing the former Uh, but until then for matthias wadner and will lomas i'm luke Worsham. thank you for listening to the titan size podcast the three of us are here to say tighten up it's playoff football time and we will talk to everybody next week